My father, I would write down everything he said. He was so prophetic to me. And he always said, find a job that you love so much that you would actually pay them to let you do it. Welcome to Unsung Leaders, a weekly showcase of behind the scenes innovators who you may not be familiar with. These are team players who create workable solutions for society. People who do great things without needing to steal the spotlight. So come on society, let's set down our selfie sticks and achieve great things. Together. Uh, hey, Steve. Yes, Bill. Today we're doing something a little extra, extra. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> we're interviewing Lisa Gregorish Dempsey, who's the executive producer on Extra. That is correct, sir. Now, you've known her a long time, right? You know, Bill, I've known Lisa. Uh, by the way, very nice extra, extra call out. Thank you. Thank you. Good. I've been working on that. Uh, I first met Lisa over. 20, close to 25 years ago, 24 years ago, when she worked as the news director in Salt Lake City. And she has risen to the top of the business. Uh, she's been executive producer for quite a while at, at Extra. It is one of those uh, jobs which is extraordinarily competitive, extraordinarily successful. And what is great about Lisa is, again, she's the same person she was when I first met her. But she also has balance in her life where she goes really hard uh, at producing an amazing show. Uh, she's in the car at 4.30 in the morning. But yet she's just will do anything for anybody, has a great heart, and uh, is just a great human being. And uh, But she has got a lot of great insight on the business and in life. And I and think some it, really cool stories. She uh, knew a lot of people back at the beginning of their career. She did. Now, uh, Right, so she uh, knew a lot of great people, yeah. but uh, and by the way, she knows a lot that she can't say. Uh oh. Well, hopefully, she says enough in this interview. She says enough. So stay she tuned, everyone, and uh, as we interview Lisa Gregorish Dempsey, stay tuned. Lisa Gregorish Dempsey. Now, is that a, that's a hyphen, right? Yes, it is. Okay, so you're Lisa Gregorish, and then you married a well, gentleman by the name of Dempsey? Gary Dempsey, right. Well, Gary no, I'm, I'm actually Lisa Rosenhaus, and I married Normando Gregorish, and then I uh, married Gary Dempsey. Not at the same time. That would, that would be a story for extra. <laughs> right. Tw 28 years with Gary. That's awesome. And he is amazing. Yeah. What, yeah, the love of my life. The longevity. Uh, what speak to that? What 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 do you? Why do you think twenty eight years? Is it? Uh, what's the key? All we do is laugh. I mean, it really is laughter and a great mutual respect. But there's nowhere else on the planet that I would rather be than next to him. I can speak to that. She's being. She's. I mean, this is from her heart. And I will tell you, I've known. I'm shocked, Lisa, because I I've known you twenty five years. I think twenty four twenty. Yeah, we met when I was in Salt so Lake, right? I was working with Liz Murdoch, um, Rupert's daughter, was the program director uh, in Salt Lake City for the Fox station. And I had a meeting with Liz, and she said, you have to meet our news director. She is unbelievable, and you'll love her and what have you. And I walked into her office, and she goes, can you just shut up for a minute? I'm talking to Katie Cork, and she's much more important than you are. <laughs> I did not. That's a quote. Uh, and you and you would work with Katie in Miami, I think, right? So yeah, I uh, work with Katie in Miami, and then. Uh, yeah. But Lisa was her early part of her career was in local news, 
And she was with the Fox. She's with Fox stations because she went from Salt Lake and she was in New York right, as well. Right. Yeah. But you know what would be interesting, Lisa? In terms of, like, we look at news today, and it's very much one point of view or the other. But being in local news is different because you just have a different point of view of it. So could you explain, like, how local news is different from national news where it's point of view and riling people up and all of that? Or even programming like Extra now, right? right. Because there's such a blurring right. of the lines, it seems but like. There's a low, but there's a big difference between reporting national news. Well, I mean, remember, even go back to when I was the news director in New York and Fox News Channel hadn't started yet. I remember driving around in a car with Roger Ailes for three hours in New York City and him basically picking my brain about how to start Fox News Channel. And they started it using our WNYW uh, vault and a couple of our reporters. That's how the whole thing started. Before you could actually give an opinion in news, that was verboten. I mean, and local news, you obviously go into a market. I'm from New Jersey, so but when I was a news director in New York, I really tried to stay true to the market. I really tried to hire crusty New Yorkers, you know, Penny Crone, who like ate bitch flakes for breakfast, and Bob O'Brien, and like Mike Sheehan, who was a local cop. The other stations were literally hiring people, you know, gorgeous blondes from the middle of the country. It looked like the Aryan nation didn't look like New York at all. So, but when we... Wow, so it was like thug broadcasting. It's, that's, that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, well, new, you know, obviously you want to hire people who are from the city, know the city, have contacts in the city, because the name of the game is to break news. And it's, I learned so much. Rosanna Scotto, who's now doing the morning show at NYW, was the main anchor on the 10 o'clock news with John Rowland. John Rowland had been there 20-some years. And, you know, instead of these, like, blown, dry guys who would blow themselves up and go, hello, and now the news, I mean, John would almost whisper some nights. And... He taught me the craziest things. Like he would have the camera. He would say, come in closer, come in closer. He taught me <laughs> that news um, anchors, the best ones, just have a conversation with you. They don't read lines. They talk to you. And that's where they would go off script a little bit, but never the way you know the networks do it now. But this was obviously a local station. I would have Rudy Giuliani calling me on the bat phone when he was the mayor, basically saying, stop doing the story, it's about crime going up, it's down. I was like, yeah, well, I have the stats right in front of me, and it's not. Wow. That's pretty incredible. What's the line for you in terms of reporting celebrity news where you tell the real, some of the things that are going on that aren't so popular, and then continue these relationships with talent so you're able to have access to them in a way other competitive shows might not. I mean, that's an absolute tricky tightrope. But I will say one thing. We were the second ever entertainment show on. E.T. was on. Um, Inside Edition's been on a long time, but they do more news, almost like the nightly news. So an extra didn't start out as a celebrity news magazine. It started out, like I remember when I got here 18 years ago, these were the stories on the shelf the boy who ate dirt the girl who cried glass tears i mean it was a very different show well, I was her name crystal that. um no i mean so we have very good relationships with celebrities they trust us they're our friends some of them you know 
host our show from time to time. Um, so we don't just do a giant uh, tease and then the pieces want want, you know, barely their agenda. We try to satiate the celebs agenda, but then we also, they realize we're going to have to ask the tough questions or we're going to have to break some kind of news. And luckily through the years, I mean, this is our 25th year on the air. Most shows, you know, most EPs last two years and most shows are not on for 25 years. So I think we're the most trusted name in celebrity news. I mean, other we also use our show to grow other shows. TMZ was born on Extra. Harvey Levin and I did a show called Celebrity Justice before Extra. Um, well, actually, no, it was born on our weekend show. And then we put Harvey on for a year and a half, and he did TMZ. We've done a show called Life Changers, which is the best of the best of doctors and lawyers and people at the top of their game. We did a show called Hater. Um, let me want to hear a funny story how that one was born. Yes. <laughs> okay, that was a little CW primetime show. Basically, when we did the show at the Grove, we would watch celebrities walk out and have Mario interview them or, you know, our other hosts. And we could tell if we liked them based on their entourage. <laughs> so, you know, the Mariah Carey obviously would come with 10 people. Um, Mark Harmon would come in his Prius by himself. Um, so then all the housewives, they would come with 20 people and we were like, oh my God, we hate them. It, not just housewives, some of them, like, but you know, the more obnoxious they were, the more we hated them. And then literally we had our friend Justin, who was in charge of development at the CW in the room and we were looking at each other. We we're like, this is a show. What if we could make somebody like us who hate some of these peoples, not hate those people. Did I say people? People. Um, so we sent Mario out to just make it like a $5,000 quickie tape. And it was a school principal who hated Mario Lopez. So we went out and he did everything. He said, bring your, your protege and I'll bring them to extra. Like, I will do anything to make you like me. And then at the end of the show, they had to, you know, say yay or nay, whether they liked the slut. And she still hated him at the end. And we were like, we got a show. And we did, we did Kim Kardashian. That's a development process. Snooki. Well, our development process is different because we say we take the devil out of development and we just put it on. And we instantly know if it's good or bad. Well, I, I have to ask you this question, Lisa, because okay. two of the people I respect the most in the business, uh, one of which is Harry Freeman, who produces Wheel of Fortune Jeopardy. You always tell me that. And the other is Lisa. And the one thing with Lisa is... Every day for her, it, she's so passionate about her work and loves her people so much, and it's a team effort over at Extra, and it's, it's everything you would expect. But it's been a you've been doing this for a while, and so how do you, and you do it every day. And I think the uh, most underappreciated thing about what you do is the fact that every day you produce a show, people watch it, and you got to wake up the next day and do another one and do another one. How, how do you personally stay motivated to make things great every day? And how do you keep your team motivated so it's as, as, as exciting as it is today as it was 25 years ago for them, for some of them? Well, for me, I, I just made the right choice. I, I always, you know, my father, I would write down everything he said. He was so prophetic to me. And he always said, find a job that you love so much that you would actually pay them to let you do it. And for from the moment I walked into a TV station when I was in college, 
it's like fireworks went off. And I, every single, you know, I tingled from watching what was going on. I was like, well, would they get paid for this? So first I did news, obviously. And remember, we had to do like three to five newscasts a day. So just doing a mm -hmm. daily show is not the grind that doing newscasts every few hours is. So this is a little bit of a, I don't want to say a vacation, but we get to put a little more effort into it. And I always say it's like baking a cake every day. You know, when you get the frosting, you get the cherry on top. It's like, you know, you've done your job. I mean, there have been, I'd say, very few flops because I have such an amazing team. <clears throat> but, I mean, how do I stay motivated? I'm motivated to keep these people employed. Um, I love what I do. I don't just do celebrity news. And for the last three years, we did a crime show, which was an hour a day. It was like Dateline every day. I don't even think the Dateline people could do Dateline every day. Right. That was really hard. So in the morning, I would go from, okay, should we leave with Brad Pitt or Jennifer Aniston? And then I would run down the hall to do the crime show, and it would be like, which kid murdered his parents? Uh, it was, I had PTSD literally every day after that crime morning meeting. Right. But I have such a good staff, and I mean, they've been here for so long. It's a second family to me. So all we try to do is laugh and I always say the fish stinks from the head. So if I'm a shithead, then I'm gonna have a lot of people like that around me, but I'm not, and I don't. I mean, I try to hire people better than me, and that goes a really long way. Well, it's just amazing to me, uh, and again, I think it's, you're authentic. People look at you and they realize that Lisa is exactly what I think she is. And I'll embarrass you for a second here, but, um, the other thing about you, which we've always shared, is your life-work balance. And talk about that a little bit, because we always laugh about how you and I are the most boring people in the business. You know, yet it, from the outside, look to people who look like we live, eat, breathe, sleep, everything about this. Well, that's it, because when we're both there, we give it, our, like, our all, more than 110%. But when we're home, we're home. I mean... My script has flipped, as you know, Steve, a little bit yeah. over the last year. Gary, you know, was diagnosed with a very curable cancer last year. And he went through hell on earth with radiation and chemo. And where I used to want to be here, I mean, I get up at 3.50 every day. Steve gets up early, too. Um, and then I wouldn't leave till 4 o'clock. After last year, all bets were off. And I realized, I mean, I always knew what was important in life but my work-life balance became even a, actually a little unbalanced not towards work because I after the show was fed every day I am in the car like zooming out of here to get to Gary and I you know I was never going to retire but now we, we bought a house in Naples and I've taken up which is beautiful by the way know, I've taken up golf and I want to figure out a way after the next year, year and a half. I mean, we're selling some primetime shows now, but I want to figure out a way just to, to be with Gary. And I mean, maybe to do this job remotely even, which is a huge, as you know, for somebody who's been working 30 some years, it's a true, a true departure from my motto and my balance. I mean, Steve, the way you did it, I will tell you just to brag about you for a second. 
I, I model it a little bit after you because you are so beloved and there's not a person in the business I can even think of who doesn't like you or doesn't admire you. And I mean, with all the gorgeous actresses you would work with, you would run home to men, you just didn't care. You were the opposite of what's going on in this uh, movement. You know, thank you for saying that. And I think this is why we're such good friends because I, I marveled at how you were able to continue doing your job, knowing the responsibility you had to those people that work at Extra, and took care of Gary. And neither one of them felt as though they were being shortchanged. That's incredible. And, you know, for me, I mean, now that I've had time to take a little bit of a break and take a step back and look at, um, you know, my family situation with the kids getting older and all that, it's... It does. It, it's hard. I mean, you really need to think about. Well, actually, you, the way you, you and I are both, you know, seekers. And you are always the one you beat me to the punch on, on every spiritual path we go down. Half my gurus and teachers come from people, you know, you've turned me <laughs> on to. And but after, you know, what I went through last year and God willing, you both, Bill or Steve, you know, never have to go through anything quite that bad. But. I will tell you that I have two new mottos in life. And one is, and I learned um, one of them from Max Licato, this author I started reading who's amazing. I'm a Jewish girl, but he's a preacher in San Antonio. And when he said something like, courage is fear that said its prayers, that was profound to me. And then, God, you know, God literally, I, if you are read the, the tea leaves and the clues around you and your eyes are open, you really become enlightened to every single message that comes your way. And one, I, I literally saw it on Instagram and I took a picture of it. And the thing that guided me through last year is this. It said, the storm that was sent to break you is going to be the storm God uses to make you. And it brought me so close to God and I have a whole new way of praying and I, I, I'm actually open to Christianity in a, in a way. I mean, you'll still be taking off on Yom Kippur, though, right? Yes, okay, always. I do. I do a, a, a seaside service. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, no, we write in the sand. I go with my friend Tammy, who's like my rabbi, and we write in the sand what we want further ahead. It's a whole weird. I have a very unique relationship with God, um, but that's a different podcast. Well, what you just said is so interesting because the sand obviously the tide then washes it away, so it's the impermanence that makes life so valuable in a sense right exactly bill you couldn't have said it better do i have to add that as my third one you could there there's so much negative stuff going on in the world today that i think even though even for those of us who have tried to lead a good life and do the right thing we've all got to recalibrate because you don't have to feel either embarrassed or ashamed to talk about doing the right thing or talking about spirituality, or talking about being a better person, because it feels like where the world's evolving is that some of this behavior just isn't going to be tolerated anymore, the bad behavior. And it's going to take a while, but it's going to happen one brick at a time and one person at a time. I, I've got my little clinical mind on here, and what you just said, Steve, sparked something in me. So, so Lisa, you, um, you run a TV show that is uh, the content of it is sometimes uh, 
you know, uh, I don't know how you salacious, how you, edgy, salacious, yes, yeah. and yet the structure. It's what what Steve's talking about is the structure of one's life and the nobleness of structure in one's life and and being the good person. How do you balance that with some of the content that can, tends to be salacious? Actually, that's a very good question. I every show I've ever been at, even hard copy. I'll tell. Let me tell you a little story about hard copy. Um, and there was not obviously when they did that commercial, that Honda commercial. Uh, saw your kid on hard copy last night. You know, I mean, people did not want to be on hard copy. And we were on the Paramount lot, and there was ET, which was the golden child, the good seed, and hard copy, of course, is the bad seed. Even though hard copy broke so many hard stories and we were held to such a different standard than everyone else but i obviously i'm hypochondriac because not because i'm jewish just because i am but i um always am obsessed with doctor stories so i started this segment called renegade doctors actually i started it when katie couric's uh, husband got um cancer colon cancer and we found this one doctor, we just started cold calling doctors and we were looking for these cowboys who would buck the system to always get a cure. And this is actually one of the most beautiful moments in my career, I think. And I'll tell the story fast. I basically found this doctor named Dr. Nagorni down in Long Beach, who back then in the 90s was a scientist and a doctor and he would make these unconventional cocktails. He would say, use a breast cancer drug on colon cancer. And we sent, I remember Jay's slides to this doctor and it had already spread or the doctor said he could have prolonged his life a little. And when we did the story on Dr. Nagorni, there was a woman named Liz Tilbaris who was the editor of Harper's Bazaar and her assistant happened to be watching hard copy that day. And Liz had just been diagnosed with ovarian cancer. She got in touch with the doctor uh, through hard copy and this doctor prolonged Liz Tilbaris's life and they had this thing called the fire and ice ball that her copy was never invited to on the lot at Paramount. Lily Tartikoff would throw it and Liz Tilbaris got up there and basically the first thing she said to the crowd was hard copy saved my life and I mean that was a profound moment like like another one of those little messages from above that we're on the right path. Even though we're make, breaking Michael Jackson stories, we're also prolonging lives. So that was a beautiful thing. And then I sort of did it in a, a different version on Extra um, called Life Changers, which was the best of the best. And we, you know, one of our doctors made a blind little girl see. I mean, so to me, that's what I think will be my stairway to heaven. And that's a lot more what my legacy is than doing- So striking a balance. Striking a balance, like giving back, I do this thing now called the Masters, which is every guru Steve and I love. Um, it's Andy Puttacombe who created Headspace, it's Deepak Chopra, it's everybody, Max Licato we just did, everybody like that who can sort of quickly, you know, because an extra piece is a minute and a half to two minutes, and if you can't read these books, it can open a whole new world to people because they will give you their five best tips ever on how to meditate or how to be, become more of a spiritual person or how to pray to God, God-like specifics, you know what I mean? Not what we think. So I do that on extra and you might scratch your head, but it's sort of like it, I can live with myself. And it's funny, you were asking a question about how do you balance. There was a story today about Enrique Iglesias, a girl at one of his concerts kept trying to get on stage and kept trying to give him a hug. Finally, 
at the end, he gave her a hug. And one of my writers this morning, I was reading the opening, and it said, oh, the story behind this picture. And I was like, no, 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 no. I always try to say, if Enrique is watching, how's he going to feel about that nasty little tease? So they we completely changed the tease. It's, this is not what you it's think. It's funny when That kind of a thing. <laughs> why are you laughing? That was touching and beautiful. <laughs> no, why, why are you laughing? I was just thinking... Lisa, remember, I, this is the funniest story. So when I was at Sony, oh, I um, whenever Lisa and I would have lunch, you know, normally when I would set up a lunch, my assistant would say, where do you want to go? And I was always a big believer in, you know, if someone was far away, you try to meet halfway, either halfway or go to their place. Like I would never stood on ceremony in terms of, whoa, we have to go to like my lunch place. So every time I would schedule lunch with Lisa, my assistant would come in. And say, where you want to have lunch with Lisa? I go, oh, in her office. <laughs> and now I'm in Culver City. She's in Burbank. Th this was a big chunk of the day, driving over, having lunch, and coming back. And finally, my assistant says, I don't understand this. <laughs> like, you will meet Les Moonves or, uh, you know, Bob Iger or people that, that run <laughs> companies. Like, you'll meet them halfway or you'll there's some kind of, like, Negotiation where you're going to meet, where it's convenient for both parties. You always have to have <laughs> lunch with Lisa in her office because she can't leave. I go, yeah, she can't leave her desk. She's got to be there. Well, yeah. you know I'm on deadline. And, and it was puzzling, but, but in, in fairness, I loved going to the office because I, I know she had a show to produce and, like, she couldn't leave. That's awesome. Steve, was that a throwback to WPHL and you being uh, running like a station, going to visit Lisa? Was it kind of a reminder he, of that? No, I, again, this isn't a, an assault on executives, but it's easier for someone to run that's running a company to actually be away from your desk for a little while versus um, if you're producing a show where you come in at four in the morning. What times of feed go out, Lisa? At one, uh, noon? Well, one o'clock noon, one. we uh, view the show. Right. She, I knew that show had to get out the door at one. So there's no way she's leaving her office, nor would I expect her to. And like I said, I, Lisa said something which it's so funny because we've really never talked specifics about this. When I was in high school, my junior in high school, I walked into the uh, walked in the front door of WB, WBAL TV in Baltimore to see a taping of its academic. The second I walked through the door, I knew that's the business I wanted to get into. Just the, the action, the newsroom was right there in this glass, behind this glass wall. I said, that's it. I'm done. I know exactly what I want to do. So I love that environment where there's a show being produced and the energy around that. Yeah, but I, I knew. Well, and this is exactly what Lisa said a little earlier in the interview, was that that was your visceral response to walking into a TV station. Yes, Lisa? Absolutely. I mean, what, you know, I grew up in New Jersey. I didn't know, you know, I went to school. I actually went to a sports school. I thought I wanted to be a sportscaster um, and then took a left turn. And I mean, I actually, my first internship was in Miami in the sports department and the assistant news director uh, came in one day and just plucked me out of sports and said, we need a desk assistant. You're going to be the new desk assistant. And I, and I was in Miami in the 80s and where we had the cocaine cowboys and the Marielle boat lift. And every CBS bureau was actually in our TV station, WTVJ. It was the Wild West then. So great learning, you know, environment. You would have been a great sideline sports reporter. 
I can see you interviewing Nick Saban walking off the field at halftime. Well, you know, it's funny because at the Basketball Hall of Fame, I did color on the radio when they had play-by-play, and nobody can ever believe that I did that. You know, obviously, I was a shot putter. When I was a freshman, I lettered in three sports. So I thought that was going to be my route. And I was the black sheep because I had six lawyers in my family and a supreme a superior court judge in New Jersey, too. So I was like, everyone wanted me to go into law. But I don't know. When, when it happens for you, just like with you, Steve, it just happens. Well, Bill, what have we learned about Lisa? Let me, let me summarize. Yeah, Bill. Good person. Amazing executive. Right. Loves her husband. Mm-hmm. Dealt with a lot of stuff in her life and overcame that stuff to continue to be great. Was a shot putter, um, and as has a real puts a real value on life work balance. Right, and open to possibility. I think that's um, you know when when we consider the moment and the surroundings and uh, the people around us, uh, it leads us places. And so I think the other thing I heard is that she listened to you and you listened to her, and as a result, there was some synergy. But here's the thing: I think we both shared is that it's one thing to feel good about what you've accomplished in your career. It's another thing to have a nice legacy where you you actually believe and you have influenced others and have sent them out into the world, do the right thing. And I know for a fact Lisa has done that and uh, will continue to do that. And we need more of that in the world. So. Well, you, you, well, let me put a button on it because I got the nicest note from my New York producer the other day who was covering something uh, that Ryan Seacrest was hosting. And this is the note she wrote to me. She writes, Ryan Seacrest says, hello, he's hosting this event. He just told me he knows you were the one who discovered him and started his career. And, you know, that meant everything because Ryan always remembers. And, you know, a lot lot of other people do. I mean, Steve, I can't imagine how many careers you've started. But we also, I think we did it with kindness and... And we're funny, and I think that's how people like us. Well, we have a sense of sense of humor, and the other thing is, I feel when you get those notes, I know you feel this way, Lisa. You feel as good about that that you help start someone else's career as you do as you do about things you've accomplished personally. Absolutely, you're you're right, Steve. Wait, this is another one, just on the opposite end of the spectrum. My husband said to me the other day. You know, you should keep all those notes. You don't ever keep any of them. I also got a note from the building maintenance guy who, um, no, who was, no, here, I love this. this who is was here for 20 years. And he wrote me the longest, most beautiful note on his last day saying, I'll never forget the first time I met you. We were walking up the stairs and you turned around and said, stop looking at my ass. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and. But he said, and then you were so nice to me, and you treated me like everybody else, and I always felt so welcome in your home. But and I'll just say, I, I feel the same way, because I, I, when the security guard thinks, you think the same way about the security guards you do Ryan Seacrest, that's everything I need to, that people should know about you personally. And I think part of that, I know when, you know, both of us have station experience, TV station experience, and you always felt like it was a team where the security guard was, or that receptionist at the front door, was the first face anyone saw when they walked in, and they were actually, they were very important. And you felt like everybody contributed to that effort. 
All right, Lisa, are you bored now? No, not quite. She's she's got a show to put on. I feel I feel pressured for her. I mean, she's taking an hour out of her schedule. And by and the way, gonna... I will say this: aside from uh, her lovely parents, uh, my daughter Mallory, who's nineteen, uh, used Le- views Lisa as one of the role models in her life, and because of the way she's led her life, and she took the time when Mallory went over to visit her to just really sit and talk to her, and and got her through a couple really. Tough things, and uh, so I'll be forever grateful. Well, for that, that girl is going to be something. I mean, she is literally. She's. I know she's the app, but she's. If I had a daughter, I wanted to be just like Mallory. Well, thanks. All right, Bill's tearing up, Lisa. I think I you am. Need this. I think <laughs> it's this beautiful. Up. It's beautiful. Okay, Bill. So nice. Hey, to it's meet great you. meeting you. Yeah, thank you so much, and uh, and keep uh, keep doing the good work. Try. Bye, okay. Lisa. Bye, guys. Take care. See ya. Bye, bye. This has been Unsung Leaders. If you want to uh, nominate your own guest, somebody that uh, has made a difference in your life and community and is a team player, uh, please let us know by logging onto our website. That's www.unsungleaders.com. And let us know. Maybe uh, we'll uh, be interviewing you or somebody in your life that you find is a team player. Uh, this is Bill Benson for uh, me and... Steve Mosco. Uh, have a happy day.